Uh, I'm delighted to welcome on our next Scotland Against Modern Slavery podcast, um, Ian Murray, MP. Ian Murray is the Shadow Secretary for Scotland, State, Secretary for State for Scotland, and has been an MP for a number of years, uh, a Labour MP. Ian has also um, represented the Edinburgh South constituency for a number of years. But uh, for me, what's interesting about Ian's background, he's worked in business. You know, I've spoken to many politicians in my journey, but Ian's actually had um, work and worked in the business sector for a number of years before he became uh, a council and then a politician. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, but welcome and thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And that's, that's absolutely correct. I was, uh, I had my own, I still have my own events business actually, but it's laying dormant for the last decade. Um, and I used to have hotels, bars, restaurants and, and, and dabble in the hospitality sector. So, so no, no, that, that's a sector as well. That's particularly prevalent with what we're about to talk about. So yeah, no, um, have that experience as well, which has held me in good stead. Fantastic. I mean, that's, it's quite refreshing as well as a, as the, I don't know, as a voter, as somebody in the country that you've worked in business because it gives you a bit of a grounding in what goes on in, in the world of commerce. Um, if I'd like to say, you know, you had a career prior to becoming a politician, it gives you that understanding. So, brilliant. So, you're in opposition in the UK, you're in Labour, and um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts, you know, generally, because I've spoken to a number of politicians over the, over the last six months about this issue of labour exploitation um, in Scotland and specifically, but in the UK, but you're in, you know, you, you're, you're in Parliament, you're in the UK, there's talk of legislation changes that's actually happening, and, and, and it's been mentioned by um, um, uh, the people I spoke to politicians about eradicating this misery in Scotland, this is what we want to do, what's your thoughts on that, Ian? Well, I mean, I think eradication is the, the right um, approach, but it's easier said than done, you know, um, this is a huge problem and an increasingly difficult problem to resolve. You know, traditional slavery was easy to resolve because global movements of people were minimal. But you've got, you know, a whole host of things wrapped up in this. You've got, you know, a refugee crisis. You've got people being exploited on that basis. You've got uh, movement of people all the time happening for a whole variety of reasons, whether it be war or hunger or water or climate change or all of those big issues. Um, you've got the complexity of supply chains, which is much more complex than previously. Um, you've got organised crime, which becomes much more sophisticated and those kinds of issues. So, and, and then you've got a whole host of vulnerable people. And when you put all that into the mix, it gives you a really difficult uh, problem to try and resolve. So I, I, I am absolutely in agreement with eradication, um, but that's incredibly, incredibly difficult. Do you know, Ian, that's, it's utopia, isn't it, to eradicate it? But in reality, how hard will that be? That is absolutely spot on. Um, and I think you, what you've got to do, in a sense, is to make... Eradication might be difficult, so what you need to do is put in place the legislative and regulatory frameworks to make it as difficult as possible to do. Yeah. And that in itself becomes uh, an eradication. But then you also have to deal with the underlying problems. And you know, unless we deal with the underlying problems of poverty, worldwide poverty, of climate change, lack of opportunity, refugee crisis, access to water, you know, famines, uh, vaccines now will be an issue. Then there's going to be uh, people out there that the organised criminal world can exploit in order for them uh, to try and find for, for those individuals to think that they're doing something different. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, that's the, 
the criminality behind what goes on with regards to labour exploitation, modern slavery, is never going to go away. It's become more prevalent. We're seeing signs that, you know, if I go back a little bit, the, the amount of victims that were rescued in Scotland alone, 512 in 2019, compared to 207 in 2018. What we're hearing and feeling and, and seeing on the ground here in Scotland is that the pandemic has created a little bit more need and want for labour which then create, makes this market more profitable, mm. which is what this is all about, unfortunately. It's money, isn't it? Controlling money. Um, so, you know, member of the UK Parliament, there's, there's been a review of the Modern Slavery Act 2015. Um, I had a ch chat with Theresa May. It's her legislation from way back then. Mm -hmm. it's, it's changing. And what's your thoughts on how, what's going on there in the review and what do these changes mean? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, the independent review has been there and, and my old uh, friend Vernon Coker, who was the MP for Gedling in Nottinghamshire, who's, who's actually just been put into the House of Lords, was taking a lot of this forward. And I think the initial legislation was groundbreaking back in 2015, you know, the initial Modern Slavery Act. Um, but you do have to update it for a number of reasons. You know, was the 2015 Act strong enough? Uh, was it tough enough to, to tackle modern slavery, particularly in supply chains? Uh, was it doing what it was supposed to do on the tin? Um, was it well enough resourced? Um, was the regulatory framework um, robust? So all of those things. And, and of course, once you put in a piece of legislation, uh, those that the legislation is seeking to disrupt or stop will then move. So therefore, the legislation isn't nimble enough. Uh, to be able to do that. And we know that modern slavery is still a huge problem. We know it's hidden in supply chains and the, and the stuff that we all do. And that's why I think it's really important for the stuff that your organisation is doing is to be able to say, well, look, we are part of the business community. This is our responsibility as well as it is everybody else's. What are we doing to ensure that, you know, for want of a better example, the, the, the fruit that somebody picks off the shelf in Sainsbury's uh, is is completely clean in terms of the supply chain going all the way the back to its origin, wherever that origin might be, and all the way through. So the, these this sub, sort of subdividing, subcontracting, uh, sub supply chains are all part of this part of this wider issue. So I think the review was right right to have that review after five years, and I think you know the stuff around that is pretty clear about what needs to be done to make it much more transparent. Yeah, and I think at the core of that review, you're absolutely right again significant because the 2015 legislation as you mentioned there it was groundbreaking at the time mm. um it didn't there was you know at the time when that legislation passed no party stood against it it was unilateral right across sort of right across the all political spectrums and what we're finding is that you know no matter what happens here it's not there's no human beings and we're all going to work together on it now i'm you mentioned there as well the, the work you know the work of business and that's key to what we're doing here at Scotland against Mons. Mm -hmm. about bringing the business community together and um, sharing good practice, sharing the intelligence, working with the Scottish government and the UK government about ensuring that trying to our best to eradicate it, as you absolutely quite rightly said, that's going to be so hard, but trying our best to do that. There is a business case, I would say, for doing more um, and joining this kind of movement and recognising that we have a problem in Scotland. I'm saying this, you know, uh, with experience of talking mm -hmm. to businesses. It doesn't happen here in Scotland. You know, this happens in London. Or it doesn't happen. But it actually has happened in, you know, there's been victims rescued in every single local. What, do you, what would you say about the business case, Ian, for joining Scotland against modern slavery? 
Oh, well, I mean, it's it's not necessarily a business case. It's a moral case, isn't it? You know, any business who's operating, whether it be, in, and, and that's you know, part of the reforms of the 2015 Act, whether it be in the public or the private sector or whatever size, ha- has a moral duty. This is a criminal act. It's a, it's a barbaric criminal act. Uh, and therefore, it's everyone's duty to be able to be part of the solution. And if anybody thinks it's not happening here or not happening in uh, Scotland or not happening in front of their eyes, well, they're completely wrong because modern slavery is very complex and it's very uh, draconian. And therefore, you know, w- w- the, the question to, to be asking is not why should people be joining these initiatives? The question to be asked is why, what excuse do you have for not joining these organisations? So um, I think we've really got to turn the table on that to say that this is everyone's responsibility to resolve. That's... Um... Quite touching, and that's really, 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 um, I know, quite pleasing for me to hear that because you're absolutely right. It's a really, really articulate way of putting uh, putting that across. So, yeah, delighted. Now, we've had indications, and I've read a number of reports about Brexit and its uh, impact on labour exploitation. The, the the general general findings are we're going to see more of it. Um, like to get your thoughts on that, Ian. What's your thoughts on, on Brexit and its impact on this? Well, I mean, I haven't really thought about that as a as an issue as yet. You know, obviously, part of the issue of trafficking is um, the movement of people around, and therefore, I suppose you could argue the sheer mathematics of it are that if people move around easier, then trafficking it becomes then easier. Um, however, you then fall into the hands of you know the criminality. If if movement if movement becomes more difficult because you then um, fall you know rather than being able to get on a, a free uh, passage from one side of Europe to the other, you then have to put yourself in the hands of criminals who promise they will get you somewhere, um, and therefore that that gives you more risk. So, I can see the swings and roundabouts of this. Yeah. Um, I don't think though you know we should really try and wrap this up in the issue of Brexit. I mean I'm huge remainer, you know, gutted and disappointed and angry that we're no longer a member of the European Union. But I think the target for this has to be on the fact that whether we're in the European Union or not, the current government's policy through the Home Office makes this stuff more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's doubly more difficult now that the Home Office are completely and utterly in control of our borders, when in actual fact, when we're in the European Union, it was slightly different because those that could travel within the European Union could do so freely. So there has to be something done about this. I mean, we've been pretty clear that the stuff that we've been seeing in our television screens over last summer of, and and it's still happening, but more prevalent over last summer of, you know, dinghies coming across the English Channel, this has to be resolved. Both the French and the UK governments can't just shrug their shoulders, blame each other and keep sending them back or, or allowing them to die in the waters. That's just not something that can happen because unless you deal with that, how could you possibly then get to the point of wanting to eradicate modern slavery? Because it's all wrapped up in the same thing. So, so you know, whilst I, I, I haven't seen that report uh, and I, don't, I wouldn't wish to um, say that, you know, Brexit makes it worse or better, the mathematics of it show that, that, that if you strengthen, your, if, you, if, you, if you reduce free movement, you then reduce the ability of people to be moved easily. But then if you increase the regulatory burden, you put then people more into the hands of those that will want to try and get around that regulatory burden. So it's a bit of swings and roundabouts. And I think you're, you know, take this, I'll take this a little bit further and you're absolutely right. And I think that there's a, that to me, um, speaking to businesses is that what, what we will see is that 
the value, the commodity of labor is going to become has become more scarce. I can't. I see that in my day to day job is that yeah. um, labor is has become much more scarce. Um, and so what what we what we will find is that the criminality. So if somebody comes to the UK, arrives in the UK illegally, and and if they, and if they do come here. They, are, they will get exploited. You know, the, the whole grounding of regulation in the recruitment industry, for example, and the, and the manufacturing side of food, that the gang masters and labour abuse authority was mm. set up. And it was given more powers way back at the, the start of the century because of those poor Chinese cockle pickers that died mm-hmm. in the can be. And they died, they were working illegally. They were being exploited because, and, and sadly, I think personally, and some from what I've read, is that we will see more of this. So re- the, the regulation will be there for people who are here legally can work, but if there aren't more people there, will businesses become a bit more desperate to cut corners and say, right, okay, Jimmy, you've got that gang of fifteen guys just to get the get to get that that task done, mm. bring them in. I'll ask no questions or turn a blind eye. That's that's the concern of, of the implications mm. of um, the lack of uh, lack of labour. Uh, it's a direct product of uh, brexit and leaving you uh, absolutely and that and that's and that's the swings and roundabouts thing isn't it and you know the gang masters licensing authority whilst again another piece of groundbreaking legislation that does a lot of brilliant work is very very under resourced for the problem that's out there you know that mm-hmm. the whole issue of gang masters and 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 uh, labor exploitation is huge and you know that is the biggest part of it but it's also feeds into child exploitation sexual exploitation debt bondages you know sex for rent uh, all of these things are huge uh, issues um and and really you know if you if you choose to go down the route of a modern slavery act uh, of a gang masters licensing authority uh, of doing what you can about labour exploitation, you really have to fund it properly. And you really have to give it the teeth to do something properly. Um, the gang masters, well, it's not the gang masters licensing authority anymore. It's gang masters and labour abuse labor authority. Abuse. But yeah, so so it has to be done. You know, it is a criminal offence to do that. But it's about who's being caught, uh, how. Does the, does the GLA have the ability to fine and to make it a criminal offence and to get people behind bars to to, to show that, it, that this will be unacceptable? These are all the big issues. You know, again, it's like saying we want to eradicate it. Everything's good in theory, but in practice, it needs to be done properly. It needs to be done properly. Yeah, you know, we're getting there. We're, we're working working towards yeah. it. But yes, you're right. And and there is there is the discussions going on about the the. The GLA and and the combined combining with other uh, other authorities. I mean, given different powers uh, in Scotland, they don't have enforcement uh, rights, so mm. they have to work alongside Police Scotland. Whereas in England, it's different, but all part of being part of four nations. Now, I suppose that leads me. I suppose as we're kind of coming to a close of, of having a quite an in-depth discussion, I would say that you know you are shadow shadow secretary for state for Scotland. Um, you are in opposition, uh, the biggest opposition party in the UK Parliament. Um, I would be keen to hear, I'm sure many of our listeners keen to hear, what would you do differently if you were in power in Westminster or the Scottish Parliament? We're, we're, gonna, we're coming up to me, you know, for the Scottish election shortly. Um, what would happen? What would be different if Labour were in charge? Uh, well, I mean, that, that's, that's a, a huge issue, but, you know, let, let's just touch on some things. The first thing is that, you know, you've got to sort out the Home Office and the immigration uh, system in this country because that in itself... 
um, the unfairness and justice and lack of compassion in that system in itself creates part of this problem. The second thing is the Game Masters Licensing Authority was a labour creation. It was a labour creation to try and find a way around some of this labour exploitation, particularly in some of the sectors like construction, which I think is one of the, the biggest problems in terms of that kind of Game Masters issue. Um, and that has to be strengthened, it has to be developed, and we had a whole host of policies and previous manifestos to do that. Um, that then becomes a sort of issue of you know, working with European partners, working with other agencies, um, strengthening what you're able to do. I sat in the Council of Europe for uh, four years, and of course the UK is still a key player in the Council of Europe, one of the biggest players in the Council of Europe, and they're doing a lot at the moment on trafficking, on labour exploitation, on child trafficking, on sexual tra trafficking, all those kinds of issues. These are the kinds of things that you know, we've always been passionate about taking forward because it's a social justice and humanity issue, which is really, really important. So, you know, could I could I run you off twenty policies at the moment that 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 we would do to deal with this? Well, I, I don't have the I, I don't have the knowledge to be able to do that uh, in this area. But you know, all those big sort of much wider scope of policies of you know Home Office and immigration, of policing and justice, of licensing and. Um, the Modern Slavery Act and GLA and those kinds of issues. These have all been labour issues for a long, long time and will continue to be at the core of what we do in terms of these kinds of uh, exploitation issues. Because, you know, if you think about it, the, the key, and if I can reflect the other way, one of the key criticisms of our 2015 manifesto, um, which was distilled into a mug, Controls on Immigration, which was hugely criticised, was never about that. What it was about was if we wish to be a country that uh, benefits from and cherishes free movement, which is what we are, then we have to be, as a government, have the ability to be able to deal with the exploitation of that, because if you don't, it undermines the entire principle of having it. And that was the key principle here about trying to do something about this stuff. Understandable. And I and that's um, a, probably a really, really good point to finish on about that, you know, about the movement of people, uh, the exploitation of people, but actually having having the principles and the guidelines to ensure that people don't get exploited. And as we started opening this conversation about, it's towards getting to that point of eradication, but will we ever get there? But we have to try and do what we can. As but there's a lot of people, I think one of the things we can do is, uh, you know, as policymakers, and it's not really a party thing, but right across the board, is to make the issue of modern slavery much more prevalent in the wider public's minds. And I think you can see that now. I mean, Vernon Coker, who I spoke to about before, took this forward at the Council of Europe, but he's just been appointed since he left office to Nottingham uh, University as an expert in modern slavery. So if you can see that things start to move from a public policy basis and things start to move on the basis of the public thinking about these issues, that's when you get the step change to eradication, really. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ian Murray, MP for Edinburgh South and Shadow Secretary for State for Scotland. Thank you so much for joining me today on Scotland Against Modern Slavery's podcast. Thank you.